morning, good evening, welcome. It's all about Windows Phone Insight podcast number 86. And yes, that's how long a Scottish hangover from New Year takes to recover. I'm Ewan Spence and the chair has been kept warm for me uh, since the start of the year by Rafe and Steve. Hello, guys. Hello, Rafe. Uh, hello, Ewan. Glad to have you back. Yes, uh, I was in the hot seat last week, but glad to have you back now that you've recovered from Hogmanay. See, uh, this is it. Scotland is the only country in the world which has... January the 2nd is a bank holiday as well as January the 1st. And I keep reminding you guys every year, every year, on the dot, 9 a.m., January the 2nd, where are you? It's still a holiday, guys. I'm still, I'm still three sheets of the wind. Uh, but there we go. Uh, so, Rick Manfred and Jim, we also, as always, have Steve Litchfield. Welcome, Steve. Happy New Year. Uh, and to you, I, I was intrigued by your introduction. You never mentioned good night. What about all those people desperately trying to get to sleep in the middle of the night and where their only hope for getting to sleep? Listening to you with, and, this, mm. with this wonderful, energetic, lively, topical debate, and me with my David Dimbleby spider tie on, how could they sleep? I mean, it's <laughs> not like we're talking about you know the, the vagaries of pixel perfect imaging in raw format on a camera that nobody's yeah, ever going to use because we are right. <laughs> are you sitting comfortably? Then we should be getting. <laughs> we'll get to the camera in a moment. Lots to go through this week at Pix ten percenters. Uh, more handset manufacturers out there when it's embedded color profiles. Uh, but shall we just touch again briefly back on the whole Nokia Lumia back thing? Because it is kind of a big thing, Rafe. Now, uh, it is doing a proper worldwide rollout. It is hitting handsets um, all around the world, even those people who are trying to get to sleep in the middle of the night. And how big a thing, a big thing is this? Well, I, I think you can over-exaggerate the importance of it. Oh, but right, okay. it, of course, for Windows Phone users... It is a big deal. I mean, this is the third update to Windows Phone 8, and they've been coming, uh, I guess, roughly every six months or so. The first one was a, a little bit earlier, but it was a fairly small update. So uh, having previously had a pattern of a major OS update to every um, year or so, and there were some smaller updates, but with Nokia coming in, particularly with Lumia Black, each time Nokia's had an update, they've actually introduced quite a few things. So to me, this is is quite a big deal even if most of the updates are relatively small or they're sort of app-based rather than core changes to the OS, we're not going to get that until we get Windows Phone 8.1. We should get the first details on that at Microsoft's Build Conference in April, and the expectation is it will then roll out onto devices probably late in the first half or maybe the early second half of the year. Uh, so that's obviously going to be the thing to really look forward to, but nonetheless, you know, pretty significant and uh, Steve and I were feeling pretty smug last week after publishing the podcast just about an hour before Black started rolling out. I think that was a pretty smart move, wasn't it, Steve? <laughs> I'm not sure whether it was appallingly uh, early or appallingly late or appallingly timed, but it was certainly a coincidence and uh, it made for a rather easy link across to the appropriate podcast, yes. It, it Welcome did. to what is clearly a British podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Steve. Yeah, but we should probably mention in terms of practicalities, uh, Lumia Black is now available on more devices, Steve. Yes, yes, the um, 820 and the 920 worldwide are now getting it as well. It should be emphasised, uh, the, you know, the really sexy feature of Black, from my point of view, is all the imaging improvements. And, of course, they mainly apply for 1020 and, to a certain extent, the 1520. But, as Rafe pointed out, in his definitive, comprehensive guide to uh, GDR3 and Lumia Black over on the site, we'll put lots of links in the show notes. It's about 3,000 words and well worth reading. Any time you want to know what was in this particular update at any point in the, in the future, refer back to this piece because it's all in there. And it just shows the depth of stuff that's uh, in GDR3 
and leave me a black for the, the more uh, commonplace 820 and 920. I think the, my favourite of the uh, mundane features, Rafe, is the the new always-on notifications. Now, we, we used to have in the Nokia Glance screen, even for the LCD screen, uh, Lumia 920. But to have, for example, text message um, uh, numbers and email numbers come up alongside that always-on clock, that's a really useful, practical day-to-day feature that I think everyone will enjoy. Uh, agreed. And that's on all the devices from the Lumia 720 upwards. Sadly, it's not on the 520 and the 620 due to hardware limitations but that glance screen too i should say it's uh, limited to the lumia devices but uh, since that's probably 90 percent of the windows phone device out there it's probably right to talk about it generically um if i was picking out a favorite feature it's one that's not quite so obvious and it's actually this is built into gdr3 so it is available for all windows phone devices it's the fact you can actually use wi-fi when you first set up a device now if you reset a device that's running uh, Windows Phone Update 3, to give it its proper name, you don't just have to use um, kind of cellular connectivity to do the initial setup. That's important from the backup point of view, because when you're restoring a backup to a Windows Phone device, um, you can now use Wi-Fi or cellular data. If you don't put a SIM card in or you haven't got cellular reception where you live, that always used to be a pain. And I was never really able to make effective use of the kind of the backup and restore feature Windows Phone. Now I can. And I think it probably applies more to those of us who end up resetting devices on a frequent basis or regularly setting up a new device reviews or things like that. But I first noticed it with the, uh, the, the setting up the 1520 for the first time. Very pleased to see that from a, a more practical point of view. I guess it's a perception one rather than something that makes a big difference, but having the close buttons in the app launcher is a, a nice one. I say perception because I'm not actually sure it makes all that much difference because, of course, those that know how Windows Phone work will appreciate that those applications are so suspended in the background so they're not really using battery life or any resources and so there's not necessarily much point in closing them but it does allow you to kind of clear up your uh, i guess your app switcher and it's something that people have been asking for for a long time so so that was great from a, a technology point of view screen beamer from nokia that's available for all the devices with more than a, a gigabyte of ram really very impressive and it's a great way to show off some photos or if you've got to share some office documents onto a big screen just because it's so easy to use you know it's not something that's particularly startling in the sense that there's always been ways to get you know your information off your phone or display stuff uh, particularly on other devices you know the hdmi app ports or the equivalent but this this one's so easy to use and you can use it on anything that's basically a internet connected screen with html5 support so there's plenty in Lumia Black that actually does make it a pretty significant update, especially when you combine it with the kind of the more the, the kind of the more minor features in Windows Phone Update Three. Right, but I've just spotted something that's in Lumia Black that we haven't mentioned. What's I, that? I, a discovery. Um, you know how you reframe photographs in Nokia Camera, and indeed, what was always a huge pain that you'd start to you know, splay your fingers to zoom into a photograph. And it would immediately start rotating. No, I didn't want to rotate it. The horizon's now wrong. And you spend half an hour trying to fiddle around, trying to get the horizon there again. They've changed it so that it doesn't actually do any rotation until your fingers reach a certain angular point. In other words, you can kind of zoom in and zoom out without worrying too much about accidentally rotating. And it only now rotates if you explicitly you know, swivel your fingers. So I think that's a big practical improvement that no one's yet spotted. So first on the podcast. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah, no, that's a nice extra. There have, of course, been some updates to, to Nokia camera as part of the, the black update. So I suspect that may well have been enabled as part of that. I mean, I think the ones that people have concentrated on, a few changes to the settings and, of course, the uh, support for DNG raw fa- format on the 10, 20, and 15, 20. But, ah, oh, well spotted, Steve. 
<laughs> yeah. And there's lots going on. There's improved internet sharing as well for those of us who have got the uh, Windows 8 tablets out there. We've got um, improved stuff with Bluetooth Low Energy, but again, with the Windows Phone operating system, Rafe, we're still not in a place where hardware like smartwatches and stuff can work effectively with Windows Phone, are we? Well, they will work effectively, but they have to be supported. So what you're referring to there is all the high-end Lumia devices now have support for Bluetooth Low Energy or Bluetooth Smart. It was just the low-end devices previously. Uh, but you're right, there are very few apps or accessories that kind of officially support it. The only one that I'm aware of that's Bluetooth Low Energy at the moment is the uh, uh, Adidas My Coach kind of heart rate monitor, uh, and that works well. They have also just introduced support for a stride sensor, which is also based on Bluetooth Low Energy. The thing about this is Bluetooth Energy support isn't kind of officially built into the Windows Phone SDK, and so hence we haven't got many applications supporting it. My understanding is that there is a kind of a private beta SDK for uh, that out there at the moment i suspect it will get announced officially quite soon we may well see some more apps and accessories around this at mobile world congress or perhaps a little later on it'll almost certainly become an official part of windows phone 8.1 once that gets announced so we're going to see a gradual increase in support for those accessories what um windows phone update 3 and lumia black have done here is mean that all the existing windows phone 8 devices will support bluetooth low energy you just need all the apps and the accessories to actually kind of enable support so it's there but you can't use it yet until they're supported um fitbit i think is one of the things that people will be interested in that's the kind of uh, activity tracking you know tracking your footsteps or pedometer 2.0 depending on what you want to call it my understanding is fitbit have uh, just taken on someone to do a windows phone app so i think we can expect to see support for from them before too long for the platform and obviously all the devices and their sensors that go along with that and that may be something that's a bit of a story in the the first half of this year kind of all of those smart watches and bluetooth um low energy accessories starting to put support windows phone so definitely one to watch out for indeed i'm uh, having looked at the recent uh, news from ces wearables is going to have a lot of innovation um as as people approach you so the handsets are where they are. The, the hardware across your print systems is broadly the same. Screen sizes are broadly the same. Functionality is broadly the same. Everybody's looking for differentiators now. Um, of course, it's getting that last couple of percentage points to perfection. It's really hard. Um, but Steve, you think that we're almost there with the 1020 and, and for everybody trying to stay asleep, it's camera time. You've been practicing your segues, haven't you, Ewan? I have, yes. I've been driving very close to cliffs and little two-wheeler things. <laughs> different segue yeah, this was, sorry uh, a reference to an article i put up about uh lumia black on the lumia 1020 and i've used the word perfect in the title now having written that in the title i know <laughs> i've then thought of two things that, which is not perfect but <laughs> notwithstanding, we've had this, this search for a, a you know a camera in our phones is it good enough when is it going to be good enough the last 10 years ever since the nokia 7650 over on s60 all those years ago and Stage by stage, device by device, it's got better. And I have to say, the results now from the 1020 with this black update, the details there, the lossless zooms there, the, the flash performance there, the color tones there, at every single stage, I, I'm not entirely sure how we can now get, um, how anyone could want better camera results from a, a, a phone. It's, we've reached the laws of physics and Having written the word perfect, the only two ways in which I could possibly suggest that we can improve on the current 1020 with this software 
would be by having uh, a faster processor, which of course we're going to get, Rafe, with, with the 1020 successor with the same chipset as the 1520. So the, the moment we've got shot-to-shot times of around three and a half seconds. Now that's, if you're being creative, that's not an issue. If you're trying to shoot your toddler screaming around a room, then, then three and a half seconds is quite a long time. And it would be nice to see that get down below a second, and I'm sure that will happen in the next year or so. Uh, also, maybe a slightly brighter Zen flash to match what we had in the uh, 808, but this is really being picky. My main point was that uh, Nokia's uh, software engineers and hardware engineers, in, 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 in working on that uh, oversampling and the image processing algorithms, they have worked absolute wonders with this update by completely redoing the oversamplings we mentioned last week, Rafe. They've got to the point now where you can put the ten- results from the 1020 up against um, almost any standalone camera and to for most all intents and purposes you get the same fabulous photograph i suppose it only goes to show that having having named the 1020 as quote perfect in its current form camera wise you've known how good look back at the rest of the smartphone world and think how far behind are they and uh, i have to say with a, a couple of only a couple of exceptions most of the rest of the entire smartphone industry has got a long way to catch nokia up here i'm going to jump in there steve um they have a long way to catch up if they want that sort of perfection and National Geographic cover sort of quality. But surely when you, when you pick something like the iPhone 5S, um, and to a certain extent also the Samsung, let, let's leave Sony's expert chips out there because I know that's just an easy shot for you. Good enough. The 8020 rule, almost all of the, the shall we say, the mid to high end handsets are now as good as the compact cameras that you or I would have had kicking around the families when we were growing up on holidays. To all intents and purposes, camera technology for the average smartphone user is settled, surely? Yes, well, that is entirely true for casual snaps, but most people's casual snaps are people. And I'll briefly, I guess, mention that Xenon word again. At some point, these flat capacitors are going to make their way into iPhones and Galaxies. And then all of our top-end smartphones will have Xenon Flash. And, and then maybe then I'll be happy with the wider state, state of the smartphone world. And just to show that even the likes of Apple aren't sitting on their laurels. I mean, the iPhone 5S camera is excellent for you know, non-flash photographs, non-moving subject flash photographs. But uh, even Apple are now starting to add some of the innovations that Nokia have introduced. And the, all the latest rumors point to Apple introducing optical image stabilization in the next iPhone. So I think uh, that's the next stage for the iPhone and maybe a Z- flat capacitor Zealand for the iPhone, iPhone 7 in 2015, 2016. So these things will come, but I think the 1020 is there now and that's the, the important thing for me. I think this is interesting because the 1020 is, of course, in some ways, a imaging-specific flagship and there aren't all that many of those around. I mean, Nokia's had a long history of doing them, I guess, right from the N90 through the N93 and all of those devices. And the 1020 is, in a way, a culmination of that. I mean, it's probably worth saying, Steve, you did add the caveat that you were talking about perfect in terms of kind of the the pure imaging output, not in necessarily other elements of the camera. And I think this is something that people sometimes miss, that a camera is actually more than just the photos that come out of it. It, It may sound slightly ridiculous saying that, but part of it is the experience of taking those photos and what you can then do with them. Uh, I, I think the iPhone camera, for example, does very well on that second one, you know, yeah. being able to do lots of things with the photos, and that's partly why people like it so much. Uh, and you know, looking at the 1020, you've already mentioned the kind of the shot-to-shot speed or the capture speed. There's definitely room for performance improvements there. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be reluctant to call it perfect because I think there's always another innovation around the corner. And you know, 
I didn't really predict OIS. I didn't really predict you know, massive sensors. And so I'm not sure I know the, the area well enough to say there isn't room for anything else. But I do agree that it's getting increasingly hard to kind of say that's a difference that will be really noticeable that we can pick out and say, yes, that's going to be the, the next thing. And then when you put a photo side by side without some kind of generational leap and, uh, uh, and perhaps going to, you know, array cameras or something like that. And that gets into a slightly different area. Uh, I think where we will see plenty more improvements and innovation is in the software side. And this sometimes gets referred to as com computational photography. And this is the idea that you can do it's not just processing it's do interesting things with the images as they're taken or when they're taken or maybe capture extra information this is what Nokia uses in a lot of its imaging related applications to kind of at the moment do things which are somewhat gimmicky so cinemagraph for example or refocus being the most recent example in order for refocus to work you have to calculate effectively a depth field and that's extra information at capture time which could then be used in quite interesting ways far more than just what it's being used for in refocus and so i think there's plenty of uh, potential there and that is kind of the next stage of digital photography i mean up until this point it's very much been kind of about replicating analog photography and the kind of zoom that's in the 1020 the reframing that's kind of the first move uh, away from that but still kind of within the auspices of what you can see it's possible from analog photography but i think there's a lot more potentially that could be done there and so that's where i expect to see kind of the big next stage of innovation um, and of course the thing to say is the 1020 is that imaging specific flagship what Nokia now needs to do is kind of introduce some of that technology into the lower tier devices and we kind of see the pattern of that with the 1520. I mean, that's got the oversampling and the zooming, albeit in a cut-down form. But I would hope that there will be a, a way to kind of improve on that 1520 implementation, get it more like the 1020, and potentially take that further down as well. You know, the 720 last year never get, got talked about very much in imaging terms. It was a really impressive device in terms of innovation in the mid-tier for imaging that camera module much better than any of the sort of devices in that price range in that kind of competing range and so that's where i expect to see the improvements um but i i, I certainly see what you're getting at here i mean <laughs> i don't think i'd ever declare anything perfect given the the pace of innovation in mobile but certainly in terms of kind of the pure imaging side of it that camera bit of it yeah i, I absolutely yeah, i agree really impressive what nokia has done and it's interesting we've had some comments back on the processing uh, we talked about how the 1020 has kind of made some things uh, better color accuracy more neutral in the processing we've had a lot of people get in touch that actually kind of preferred it the old way preferred the amber hues you know created more attractive photographs that's a debate i expect to kind of keep running and so i would have thought that kind of the next thing that would be good to see is some of the settings that were in the 808 pure view the symbian device come back with regard to being able to kind of set saturation levels and things like that so you can almost effectively choose what type of processing you've got i mean you kind of have that with raw dng but you want it you know coming straight out the camera in your preferred format so we'll see we'll see yeah just one final thought before i move back to you do you remember back in about 2006 2007 rafe we had a a symbian low-end phone you know it's the old t9 keypad it was something like 62 20 61 20 classic and it, it was a, a really low-end smartphone with a proper xenon flash and uh 
And just to show that it can be done at a very low price point, they had a proper flash. And I, you mentioned the 720 there. To have the 720s um, fast optics with a proper flash, that would have been a stunning device, you know, for party goers and young people out and about and teenagers. A device which didn't cost the earth, and they could take out and snap away and get terrific photographs, even in the worst light, crisp shots of their friends. So uh, the, the, the Zealand flash that I keep going on about doesn't have to be for the top end you know, all singing, all dancing, pure view masterpieces. It can actually be for the lower end phones and make a big difference there. So that's what I'd like to see. Something along the 720 or the uh, 725, but with but the flat capacitor Zenon in as well. Yes, agreed, Steve. There's certainly ways of kind of shuffling components and doing things slightly different in implementation terms. Uh, you mentioned Xenon Flash on the lower cost devices. You can also look at improvements in lens technology or sensor technology, all of which are still small iterative improvements in hardware that would have a, an effect yes i mean something like the 720 with a xenon flash kind of makes sense to me um you know that kind of party phone if you like being able to catch good photos in that context yeah uh, lots of potential there i always think that the 720 has been really hard done by in this wave of windows phone 8 devices i mean i know rafe you're still supporting one as your day-to-day phone aren't you um i have to admit i've switched to using a 925 because i found the limitation on kind of some of the performance with ram and also the space on the device uh, a, a bit limiting having said that um the 95 has the same problem with the 16 gigabytes of um, internal memory but it's a device i really like and I, I really like the design of it and it's actually done okay in terms of sales it's actually more popular device than people realize but it didn't get pushed as much in some markets as others and i I do feel it's probably one of the most underrated ones Uh, and that's partly about the camera but it's also about the design in general so yes i have a a very soft spot for the 720 i'd love to see an updated version of that device and certainly um the family here is completely equipped uh, apart from myself with the 720 as well it was just that nice price point and and technology i know Steve is talking about perfect camera. But when you look at a bell curve of capability of what you want, the 720 is, you know, bang for buck, probably one of the best Windows Phone 8 devices out there. Um, remains to be seen what's going to come out of Mobile World Congress, of course, um, but a 725. I think Rafe and I might be fighting over that one in terms of which one uh, of us gets to do the review on that handset, whereas um, Steve will be going up with a new Canon DSLR lens attachment ring that goes on the 1025 or whatever Nokia decided to call that as well. Um, lots of discussions uh, there, as always. Comments can be left back on the website, allaboutwindowsphone.com. And um, let color. Now, Rafe, right, right, we had something about color and color profile DNG in the note. And I looked at that and I thought, Great, Steve's got some very interesting arcane topic, but Steve, you haven't got a clue on this either, have you? I'm going to introduce Rafe here. All I yes. know is it's something to do with the way Nokia telling the PC software all the different inner characteristics of how Nokia cameras put their, their, their DNG files together, and then something clever happens at the desktop end that somehow optimizes everything. Is that, is that a good introduction, Rafe? Uh, that, that'll do. This is to do with the raw format support that was introduced uh, in Lumia Black for the 1020 and is really in the 1520 as well. I suspect we're going to get it in Nokia cameras going forward. And this is DNG color profiles for Adobe Lightroom, which is one of the PC based applications that you can use to process DNG files. Uh, that processing is basically, it's taking the raw data that gets put into the DNG file and telling the application how to, to convert it into uh, a JPEG image or rather into a color photo. 
a graph that you can then obviously do what you want with. Uh, that's because when you're taking this, there is a certain amount of settings that you can apply in the processing. And these profiles kind of give default values for them and they operate under different conditions. So what Nock has actually done is release a couple of additional profiles because there's one built into the G DNG file itself, if you like. It's a default profile. But they've now, as kind of, a, it's almost a hobbyist initiative, something they've released for you know the imaging fanatics. There's some additional profiles that, are designed for using with photos taken under specific light conditions, so flash fluorescent and uh, daylight halogen. And it just makes it easier to use the DNG processing. It'll be slightly quicker because it'll get nearer to kind of the ideal settings than using the default values, which just means you'll have to do less modification when you're doing the processing. Uh, I suspect this is one really for the imaging enthusiasts in particular, but it's really good to see Nokia releasing this. It's actually been put together by some of the Nokia employees who've been using these devices from, I suspect, quite early on. And uh, it's easy enough to download. You will need um, Adobe Lightroom or a compatible application to take advantage of them. Uh, but it, it's good to see Nokia continue to support this. Despite, as I said, I think this is a, a pretty niche interest uh, for, you know, those with Lumia 1020 and 1520, I suspect it's maybe just a 5% or so of users who will really get into this. But for those who do want to use it, they're going to be very pleased to see this. Yeah, more than just a niche interest, Rafe, I would say that I am, a people, people know, I'm an imaging fanatic, or a smartphone imaging fanatic, and I love taking photos. I take photos all day, every day, and I've never in my life taken a raw photograph, and I never actually want have any inclination to do this. I think this is a niche within a niche, and I just put my 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 hand on the table now. I think I, I think um, processing DNG in raw files after the initial novelty of trying it for the first time, I think will be 0.01 percent of users. So uh, I'm not sure it's going to be that low. I mean, the thing that I like about raw is that. If you've got, you know, photographs that you want to process yourself instead of relying on the Nokia processing, which is ultimately what it comes down to, because it's capturing information as raw as possible. There, there are some things that are still fixed, you know, the ISO levels and the aperture and things like that you, that you can't change. But things like white balance, if you're not satisfied with what the default camera is doing, then you can choose to shoot in raw and then process them yourselves. Now, it is obviously a lot more time consuming. But if you've got you know, a photo that you really care about, this works well. And for me, particularly with the dual capture mode that you have on the Nokia devices, it's doing a, a 5 megapixel oversampled one on the, the 1020 and similar on the 1520. But it's also capturing this raw image. I don't think I've ever really used the full resolution very much on the uh, 1020. And so I'm quite happy to have it you know, be a DNG file. I know CPUs kind of the refocusing or reframing, I should say, much more than I do. And so that, that does become an issue in this kind of this dual mode using DNG RAW. And so I've actually found myself looking at this and picking out a few of the photos that I really like and then just improving them slightly and getting a, a better result out. If you look in some of the comments on the stories I'll link to in the show notes, you'll see people have taken some of the uh, samples we've uploaded and actually made a significant improvement to the, the picture, you know, brought out additional detail, you know, corrected white balance. Now, I do agree, it is a niche interest, and I suspect you might be right on the 0.1% or something like that. Nonetheless, uh, I think it's a, a good selling point, and it does sort of burnish Nokia's reputation as an imaging leader. Yeah, very, very quickly, and you're not allowed to respond to this one because you're going <laughs> to slap us for going on too much about imaging. But the, the, whole, the whole flaw in the argument is the fact that you have to decide beforehand to run your 
15, 20 or 10, 20 in this DNG mode. And if you've done that, then every single photo is taking 50 megabytes of your precious disk space. And every single photo then doesn't have any flexibility to reframing or share and then onward sharing on the phone itself. You lose that flexibility. So it's an either or. And I think for 99.99% of people, they'd rather have the flexibility on the device. And just every now and then they come across a wonderful sunset. Well, yes, maybe I will fiddle with this in a week's time. I will switch it to DNG mode for this one shot. But it, it really is a niche within a niche. And now we're going to finish with imaging and Ewan's going to carry on smoothly with the podcast. Oh, really? Because uh, I'm sure earlier <laughs> in the podcast, you said the imaging was perfect. <laughs> it is. It's done, done my way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, move on, yeah. please. Move on. <laughs> oh, really? Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. We'll, yeah. we'll move on then. Fine. Okay. There's lots can be done with cameras in the future once we move away from the analog one. I think this is what this is getting, because I'm not ready to move on yet, Steve. Uh, I'm going to put in my 30 seconds here, which is, you're right. We do have that perfection. We have the perfect replica of analog systems. What happens now is we can really exploit digital and smart in smartphones. We can start doing things like we have here with the basic DNG profiles and going on. We can start working with Lightroom. Instagram, much as you kind of poo-poo the 640 by 640 with, with the fillers on top of it, did something that analog would have huge amounts of trouble to do. And things like Vine, you'd never get that with analog. This is where digital camera technology is going to be going on smartphones in the future. Yes, we've perfect replication now, but actual usage scenarios, that's where it's going to be interesting. That's what I think we're going to see. Maybe not this year, but I think once we get into 2015 and beyond, how you use the camera on the phone and how that relates to your data and your lifestyle, that is going to be completely Don't different. Don't get me started on, on Instagram, you. Don't get me started. <laughs> no, 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 no. You said you were finished. <laughs> you said uh, you were moving on. You've moved on. I'm still here, you know, seeing what hopefully everybody listening to the podcast is thinking. Instagram has opened up more photography and more imaging to more people than the Kodak Instagram and has done more benefits to capturing more images and more memories and more emotions around the world than any other camera platform on the planet. Right anyway, here, right now, throw it down. I've just spotted something in the show notes that means Rafe gets to talk for a while, so why not move on smoothly on? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, for those of you who want to vote that I was correct, all about windowsone.com, for all of you who want to vote for Steve, all about windowsone.com, and leave your comments, but I will hunt you down like a dog. Uh, right then. Rafe, are we finally going to get a Sony Windows phone? Uh, well, it certainly looks that way. Some Excellent. of the rumours... Steve, have... do you want to re- review the Exmoor chip in the Sony Windows phone? <laughs> Rafe, do carry on. <laughs> well, this is some reporting from Tech Radar. They talked to one of the Sony executives who essentially said that um, Sony didn't want to be stuck on a, a single platform and were looking at Windows Phone with interest. There were no definite confirmations or anything like that. But if you look at the sort of time frame that this would need, uh, Sony would certainly have to start thinking about developing a device running Windows Phone 8.1, so now or even late last year, and would maybe start talking to Microsoft about that. It becomes a lot more practical because of the kind of support for the Snapdragon 800 and all those other things we've talked about before. Sony could relatively easily convert one of their Xperia devices across to Windows Phone without the same amount of difficulty it would have had even a year ago. And so I'm not suggesting we're going to see the kind of Z1 Windows Phone edition, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if Sony choose to reuse the Veo branding that they use on laptops and tablets on a, a, a Windows Phone device. But to actually have a, a Sony executive kind of openly mold this, 
makes me think it's pretty close to being a, a done deal. I suspect there are negotiations going on between Sony and Microsoft over licensing and maybe some financial support. Um, I, from, I wonder also, Rafe, if part of it is that, yeah, we'll keep doing Windows 8 now, about Windows Phone licensing fees. Exactly, or it could be something even uh, sort of more interesting than that, that Microsoft could be saying, we'll waive some of your Android license fees, uh, which they owe for patents and things like that, if you do a few Windows phone devices. So, you know, it might not be a direct financial uh, transference in terms of, you know, Microsoft writing Sony a big check, but it could be in kind. There's all kinds of marketing benefits and that kind of thing as well. It does mean we get Xbox on Sony. Yes, that's right, Ewan. Uh, I mean, I guess there could be deals about removing it, although that seems pretty unlikely, but you could end up with a phone with PlayStation stuff on it as well as uh, Xbox stuff, although there's all sorts of questions around how the branding's going to work on Windows Phone 8.1 anyway. But uh, given Sony's recent announcements about streaming PlayStation stuff and various other initiatives they have, it, it could be interesting. I mean, this is by no means a, a done deal, but from both sides, it does kind of make sense. I mean, Microsoft will be desperate to have other manufacturers you know, come in and support Windows Phone, especially given the and Nokia Devices and Services Division acquisition. And Sony would be you know, a really big name to kind of pull in, particularly for the Western markets, might also give them an entrance to the Japanese market as well. Um, from the Sony point of view, um, they're quite rightly saying, we don't want to be reliant on one operating system. Um, they're actually now at a scale with Android where they could certainly afford to support another one. And it makes sense from a, a business point of view. You know, Sony has been relatively agnostic in that sense. And, you know, if Windows Phone is becoming a strong third player, which some of the signs point towards it, it's a logical decision for Sony, particularly if they're getting a good deal on licensing or some kind of financial support from from Microsoft. I mean, past me, it's still a bit sceptical. But uh, as I say, the the reporting around this does seem relatively clear cut. I I do think it's something that will happen in the second half of the year. You know, Sony will be waiting for Windows Phone 8.1. So uh, I wouldn't expect any announcement in the immediate future. But later on, yeah, that's more likely. I mean, by the same token, we mentioned Samsung and possible devices in the last podcast. I think they may arrive a bit sooner, maybe even look to Mobile World Congress for that. You know, there's talk of a a five-inch screen, it's a 1080p resolution, Snapdragon 800 device arriving from Samsung. And there's all kinds of talk around what support Microsoft might be providing financially to, you know, both Samsung and Sony and also potentially some others as well. It's going to be interesting how that plays out because I think, Microsoft getting other manufacturers involved is going to be really important for kind of bolstering Windows Phone's growth this year. You know, it's been driven very much by Nokia the last few years, but it, it, it's getting to the point, particularly in some of the Western European markets, where it, it's a high enough volume for other manufacturers to sh- start showing interest. I can't help but feel it will be a bit of an uphill struggle for them for all the reasons we've talked about before and all that history of you know, companies licensing and creating their own device and then trying to get others to license as well. So uh, be watching with interest. I think the thing that intrigues me is Sony have made a very good play uh, with, with their Android stuff. It's worth noting that they, they came back to Android at about the same time that Nokia's made the decision to go with Windows Phone. So I've always kind of looked at Sony and said, if Nokia had went Android, that's probably where they would have ended up. Um, slightly more sales, I think off the top of my head, they're on like 18 to 20, and Nokia's on about 10 to 12 million devices. So in the scheme of things, relatively close. Um, okay, apart from the camera technology that Steve's 
you know, not particularly um, enamored with. I really enjoyed the Sony hardware. And if I had to grab an Android device, I would probably grab the Sony devices first of all. Um, the, the, the waterproofing on the Z and the Z1 has just made them very practical, especially for a Scottish summer. Yeah, uh, and and their low end devices, you know, the, the four point three inch screens, I'm really enjoying on Android. Yeah, and I think they've done an interesting thing with the Z1 Compact, which is a, a phone they announced at CES, which is essentially a high end specification, but in a slightly smaller format device, which is something we've said yeah. multiple times that would like. And they do have a consistent design story across their range. Um, I think they're a little bit closer to, to Nokia than you just, I think Nokia's probably knocking on the door of 10 million devices in the last quarter. And, um, Sony's thought to be a, a couple of million ahead there. Um, they're, you know, two different companies in a sense because of everything else that consists of Sony's consumer electronics. And so there's more crossover there, but it's, it is an interesting comparison to make with Nokia. And of course, they, um, don't do the kind of the mobile phone devices. As I say, part of me is still sceptical about this, but on the other hand, I can certainly see the logic behind it. And um, it would certainly you know, give the Windows phone ecosystem a big boost if uh, a Sony were to come on board. And it probably needs to be more than just you know, a, a token device. Um, but you, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. And I'm going to put some um, numbers out there now. I bel- my gut feel uh, on no information whatsoever that Samsung's... Um, Handset, if it turns out, will probably be running a Snapdragon 800. Will probably, will probably have a GPU, probably like the PowerVR SGX 544, Adreno 320, and there two gig of RAM, 1632, 64 gig memory options, 2600 milliamp hour battery. I think is probably a fair guess on that one. And as you said, the 1080p screen. Go on, ask me how. Go on. Are you uh, perhaps copying off another set of specifications? I know that's just the Galaxy S4 specs, isn't it? Yeah, and honestly, I think that's a reasonable assumption. So it is interesting that because Microsoft has updated this standard Windows phone spec, it is a lot closer to a lot of the other things that are running on Android. It's also worth looking at the lower-end specification. That's actually typified by the Lumia 1320, and that's running on a Snapdragon 400 processor. And if you look at a lot of the mid-tier devices... Uh, running that same specification so uh, we, we've talked about the high-end menu with this but uh, it wouldn't entirely surprise me to see um, sony or samsung coming in with the you know, a mid-tier device cause, you know that's where nokia's enjoyed a lot of success obviously with the 520 and the 620 and um, that's where it's actually hurt some of its competition and so perhaps see some activity there as well and also although you know, nokia made a great here with low-end devices there's not a huge amount of uh, margin and, and profit to actually pay with those handsets. So um, attacking that, the 720 space, uh, which we were talking about earlier in the podcast, is probably where we'll see those manufacturers come in. There's a feeling that Nokia haven't quite mastered that bit yet. Low-end, yes. High-end, yes. Mid-range, you know, their only competition has been HTC, the best will in the world. But, you know, HTC haven't followed up on those 8Xs, and the 8S was a bit of a misfire, I think. Uh, right then, I think we're getting close to the end of the podcast. Have we got time to run down some app picks for the first time of the year, Ray? Yes, I think we can do a few app picks, and that would be a good point to finish on. Indeed. Do you want to start off then? Yes, I was going to talk about Quiet Hours, which is an app that's come out recently. And it's essentially, it's a way to put your phone into silent mode automatically. Uh, this is something that's kind of referred to as do not disturb on other platforms. Uh, it's a third party app. It's a bit of a workaround in order to achieve this, but you can set a, a scheduled time at which 
you'd like your phone to be switched to silent. Actually, it's being switched into vibrate mode and then obviously switching it back off again. Um, that's going to be useful overnight if you don't want to be disturbed by incoming calls or uh, text messages or other notifications. It actually works off the kind of standard Windows phone background schedule. So that does mean it's kind of limited to running every half hour. So the accuracy won't be on exactly the time you specify. But for, for most people, this will be good enough. And so I thought this was a pretty ingenious workaround on the part of the developer it's something i'd love to see built into the, the platform itself um the kind of free version of this app just lets you put a live tile on and toggle that way kind of similar to a lot of the uh, other applications that are available to do something similar but if you pay the 79 peers and in-app purchase you can actually get this scheduling functionality i've tried it out yeah and it seems it seems to work there are some problems if you've got lots of background tasks running. They can sometimes be uh, knocked out or you, you have to use up one of your slots for the background tasks and you also have to open the application periodically once every two weeks in order for it to keep working. If you, you go into battery saver mode, these background tasks won't run. But for the most part, it, it works just fine. I want to pick up one note here, um, mostly because uh, I've been having a play around with one of the Surface Pro 2s um, that Microsoft has sent over for me to have a little look at, and, and it's rekindled my love of the note-taking application that is OneNote, probably the, the, the unsung application in Office on Windows. Uh, and, and again, we're, we're coming to this cloud thing. You know, I can sit there, I can, I can work on it in a web browser on my desktop. Um, there's the OneNote application itself, uh, on Windows 8, and because all of that saved in SkyDrive, and you have the cloud, it's all joined up. Um, just grab the handset, um, open up OneNote, and the notes are there. They're synced over there, um, and it just works. Um, and OneNote it still feels a little bit clunky on the handset on Windows Phone, and when you're using it as a standalone, it, it does feel a bit like overkill. Uh, for note-taking applications. I mean, Listrophy or, or, or Super Shopping List uh, is probably best if you just want a quick list. But when you start clouding it uh, with everything else that you can use, basically you can access the information, OneNote really starts to be working, and that clunkiness actually becomes flexibility on the handset. So even if you don't have a Windows 8 device, um, going on to you online uh, and going through MicrosoftSkyDrive.com and then just uh, open it up from there, uh, you'll get your OneNote thing. It's not, again, not available in that drop down where you have um, your calendar and your people uh, that are going through on the, the web browser window on your live account, but it is there if you just open the file from the SkyDrive thing. Again, it's hidden away. And again, it's just like, yeah, this just works. Steve. <laughs> well, I've got something. Uh, our good friend David, who hasn't been on the podcast for a while, but uh, he would have approved of this. He's a big Bitcoin fan, and I'm, I've not, I don't actually own any Bitcoin yet, but I'm looking into it. And the crazy thing is, there's an application called Bitcoin Life Converter that shows in real time the value of Bitcoin in, in real-world currencies, um, and it just goes up and down. It's, it's crazy. You just look at the value. For example, in, in one Bitcoin at the moment, 547.2 grams, 545. 5.49. And these figures just change in real time. It's not Ewan's pulse rate as we record this show. These <laughs> actual real-world uh, conversion rates varying wildly. And during the course of this podcast, the value of Bitcoin has changed by over 10%. Now, if you're a real-world currency were to do that, you'd just be completely panicking. But uh, it's fascinating having a complete live readout of all the different Bitcoin exchanges. And you can choose the conversion to any 
uh, a worldwide currency, and it all happens live on the screen. So you can just leave it going on the corner of your desk and just watch it as this, this crazy currency careers wildly up and down. And it's just fascinating to watch, and it's a little free little program, Bitcoin Live Converter, and I'm sure David would be proud. Back in my day, we had a screensaver, and we were thankful. <laughs> There we go. So that's your all about Windows Phone Insight podcast for the week. As always, comments are welcome back at the website, allaboutwindowsphone.com. You find us on all your usual social network haunts, facebook.com slash allaboutwindowsphone, A underscore WP, Twitter, etc., etc., etc. All remains for me to thank Steve Litchfield for popping along. Yes, we'll catch you next week. And hey, thank you to Rafe Blanford for... Um, we have some fun with Instagram. Thanks everybody for listening. Indeed, and thank you all out there for listening as well. You get thanked twice. Isn't that lovely? Uh, we'll carry on with news, news, uh, information back on the website, back with the podcast next week. And of course, Mobile World Congress is approaching. 